Become a disruptor in the emerging fintech space through NYU Stern's Master of Science in Fintech program. This one-year part-time program is designed for full-time working professionals who want to strengthen their fintech skills. To learn more, submit your resume for a candidacy review at the URL linked to below. Finnovate showcases cutting-edge banking and financial technology through a global conference series featuring short-form demos and thought leadership. Now, the conversation continues on the Finnovate podcast. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Finnovate podcast. Joining me today, we have Neka Uphai, Head of Financial Innovation at Better. Neka, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. No, thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Finnovate has been a staple in the fintech community and on the fintech scene for so many years. It's a true honor to be here with you today. Excellent. Well, I certainly appreciated your time on stage at Finnovate Fall a little bit. But for people who haven't caught your session at Finnovate, can you start with just a little bit of background and tell us kind of how you came to be with Better and the journey that you've taken there? Sure. So I am a recovering lawyer. I say that with love. I uh, spent about a decade doing global anti-bribery, anti-corruption, anti-money laundering work on behalf of big corporations, representing primarily the C-suite and the board in global enforcement actions. And I I say this jokingly, but I mean it. My sole job was to keep the C-suite out of jail. (laughs) And it turns out (laughs) Turns out that those skills are uh, shockingly transferable to the startup space. And I think it's uh, really cool to be able to merge uh, my passion for the law with my passion for entrepreneurship, because when you're building something new and you're disrupting, you're oftentimes playing in gray areas. Oftentimes you don't have a black and white, you don't have a yes or no, and you need to be able to lean into risk in a very smart way. And I think my background allows me to do that. And so during the pandemic, uh, I decided to pivot from practicing law full-time at a big corporate law firm uh, into entrepreneurship full-time and into investing and into the startup ecosystem. And so I'm a two-times founder. I own one of the most popular dating apps in Brazil, at least according to Forbes. And I also co-founded an early stage B2B to C fintech that's based in DC. It's called Wealthy. And fun fact, full circle moment, Wealthy actually won Best in Show at Finnovate in 2019. So it's truly a full circle moment being here with you today. Yeah, no, I mean, again, a very uh, vast amount of experience there, which is very impressive. And I would encourage anybody who's interested, by the way, you can find the demo video from that 2019 Best of Show win. Um, The company was called Invest Susu at that point, now wealthy, but um, it's available at finnovate.com slash videos for anybody who's interested in learning more and kind of seeing the technology in action, although it has obviously progressed in the last couple of years as well. Um, But I I want to start things off uh, by talking through your experience a little bit more, because I think one of the things that's really unique is that you've been active in a lot of different countries, different regulatory environments. Um, And and so I think one of the the biggest, my my first question is really just what, what have you learned when it comes to being successful as an entrepreneur in that kind of cross border, cross geography context? Yeah, it's a really, really good question, really important question, because a lot of companies have ambitions to scale globally. And the fact is that in every single geography, you're going to have a different regulatory regime, even if it's similar. And so I found that um, doing global work on behalf of Fortune 100s 
We wanted to build compliance programs. We wanted to build products. We wanted to build to the least common denominator. Who has the most stringent requirements and can we pass muster under those requirements? And so just to give you an example, while I was actively practicing law at my firm, we had active matters in South Africa, Angola, Kenya, Tanzania, uh, Nigeria, Ghana, the UAE, Algeria, we were literally all over the world representing clients' interests in, in matters that required very different analysis when it came to uh, the regulatory landscape in that specific geography. And so I would encourage any entrepreneur considering expanding into an emerging market to keep in mind that global innovation requires equal parts, curiosity, courage, and creativity. And the best thing you can do when entering into a new market is to unlearn what you think you know, ask questions, and remain open to challenging your own assumptions. Um, another big lesson I've learned is that it doesn't matter how many countries you build in, you've got to approach each new market with the same level of excitement and curiosity every single time. Uh, so even companies with global breadth re require local depth. Uh, you want to find the experts and don't be afraid to ask for help. No, I love that. And I love the idea that, you know, you have to maintain that inquisitiveness because I think it's so true. So many people will have a good idea, let's say in the UK and think I'm going to take that to the US and we're going to just treat the market the same. We're going to you know, kind of prescribe to people, this is how you should want to use our product when it really should be the other way around. How do That's you right. want to use our product? What is the pain point that you're struggling with? Because so often we've seen really good technology that hasn't been successful because it doesn't make that connection with the people who are ultimately going to use the technology. And so starting from the other way around and saying, what do you need? And really taking the time to learn that I think is massive. Um, let, let's talk about the regulatory side of this as well, because that's a massive rat's nest, right? There's so mm -hmm. much uh, headaches that come from this. And when you're talking about being active in a lot of different geographies, different regulatory environments, there's so much that you have to try and be aware of, so many pitfalls to avoid. What have you learned that's enabled you to be successful dealing with all those different kind of regulatory agencies? Yeah, I've, I've learned that. It turns out when you're being disruptive, uh, you tend to piss off the incumbents. <laughs> and so I, I fully I fully lean into this concept of regulatory entrepreneurship. You know that you're bringing something disruptive to the market. You know that the people who are entrenched are not going to like it. The people who are entrenched tend to have much, much, much more money than you. They tend to have lobbying teams. They tend to have all types of resources to try to crush your business in its infancy. And so it's really important to be courageous, be brave, be bold, and be unafraid to jump out there and bring the regulator along with you. And a few examples that I think about are Uber um, or even Airbnb, right? When they were first launching, had they sought regulatory approval before doing the product, they may have never launched. The fact that they did it in tandem simultaneously, it looked really gnarly. It looked really wonky, but it worked and it was the right thing to do. And when I think about better, for example, and I think about our regulators, such as the CFPB, what you don't want is for a regulator to be hearing your name for the first time uh, when they're getting inbound complaints about your product. 
That's what you don't want. And so I always encourage entrepreneurs to lean into regulatory entrepreneurship, be transparent, let the regulators know what it is that you're trying to build and what it is that you're trying to solve for. Most importantly, let them know why what you're doing is good for consumers. And the second piece of that is designing a product in a way and in a geography where you know that you are best equipped to survive whatever regulatory or enforcement challenge may come. And that's a piece that I think lawyers are uniquely qualified to do. I'm slightly biased on that, obviously, but we're paid to see around corners and anticipate challenges. And so when you have someone on your team, on your innovation team specifically, who has a similar background to me, we're able to help you pinpoint where the issues are in the product and where you might run into regulatory or enforcement trouble and solve for that on the front end. Uh, it is absolutely invaluable. Yeah, no, absolutely. One of the things I want to just check with you, because you were talking about kind of getting the regulators and bringing them on board with you. In your experience, have you found that most regulators are actually you know, happy to have those kind of conversations? Or do you get resistance sometimes from the regulatory agencies as you initially approach them and say, hey, we want to do this? What's the experience that you've had? That's an excellent question. And I think it probably varies from person to person. For me, everything I do is relationship-based. Relationships are everything. If you invest the time in getting to know people, making friends and not connections, a lot of this becomes a lot easier. And so when I'm reaching out to regulators, oftentimes there's a warm introduction or a first level connection. It might be someone I went to law school with. It might be someone uh, one of my best friends went to school with, but I find that it always helps to have some sort of warm intro and then invite them to come play. Regulatory sandboxes are fun. Invite them to co-innovate with you. Ask them for feedback as you're iterating and developing new versions of the product. Those types of um, collaborative opportunities can only lead to better outcomes for everyone. Yeah. And I think one of the things we sometimes forget is that regulators are people too, right? They want to they be are. treated with respect. They want you to tell them what's coming. They want to know. And in most in, in most cases, based on the folks that I've met at Finnovate and other events, they, they genuinely are curious about new innovations. They're not there to try and quash innovation, but they're there to make sure it's done in the right way. And the more you can kind of look and, and work with them um, and say, here's what's coming. How do we make it something that's good for from your side as well? The easier it then becomes to create a situation in which everybody wins, including, of course, the end user who will now have new pieces of technology to engage with. Um, and, and that seems like a good place now to transition towards the new technology that you're offering specifically from Better. I know there's a lot that you could talk about here. It's a really cool company. <laughs> but let's let's start with, I think, the piece that will be most attractive to our listeners, which is this idea of a one-day mortgage. What First off, you know, when you say one-day mortgage, what does that really mean? And, and then the more salient <laughs> question, I think, is how are you able to pull that off? Yes, I'm so excited to talk about this because it's one of the biggest innovations we've brought to this mostly manual industry. And essentially we built the world's first end-to-end rules-based decision engine that automates the majority of the micro decisions that go into the ultimate mortgage decision. So it's called Tin Man. And I suspect you'll be hearing much more about Tin Man as we continue our journey as a publicly traded company. And the magic of Tin Man is that it automates the process. It's what we've been building since day one. And the percentage of Tin Man tasks that are fully automated has grown from 19% in 2017 to 72% this year. 
So we've been intentionally investing in automation and it's been powerful. It's enabled us to get the mortgage, mortgage commitment process from months down to 24 hours. And on average, we're able to do it in about eight hours. And we are wow. currently driving towards a 100% automated mortgage. That is the dream goal. That is the pie in the sky that will obviously take a lot of investment and a lot of work and a lot of collaboration also with the government. But imagine being able to go from click to close from your device in one day. Yeah, I mean, that, that's astonishing. And I think if you talk to people outside the fintech space, or at least the people that I know, they frequently complain to me about the mortgage process more than anything else, as though like I'm responsible for it, right? You work in fintech, how come this isn't better? <laughs> um, and so just now, you, now you I maybe personally. finally have an answer. Yeah, right, exactly. Like, I'm going to go do it. Um, but, but you I, actually I also, did do it. <laughs> yeah, I also want to want to highlight for our listeners that in, in terms of better, our data is one of our biggest competitive advantages. So we have a learning data set of 400,000 complete financial graphs. We have over 3 million incomplete financial graphs, and that's rapidly growing. So based on this data set, Tin Man is able to create and digitize a fully verified financial data graph for every single borrower that comes to our store. And that is uh, very different. No one else is approaching mortgage in that way. It's one of our biggest differentiators, uh, enabling true disruption. And roughly 6 million homes are purchased annually, 87% of them through a mortgage. Mortgages make up 70% of consumer credit. And for the average household, home equity totals roughly 65% of net worth. So the opportunity here is massive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and this actually seems like a good point as well. You just put out a press release on uh, MAAS. Can you talk a little bit about what was included in that? Yes. We've partnered with Infosys to fulfill mortgages for any financial institution. So for any banks or credit unions listening, we know mortgage is hard. We know that mortgage is expensive. Uh, better is on average 45 basis points cheaper than the industry. And so on a $400,000 mortgage, that's saving the customer over 50K over the life of the loan. And for an everyday customer, everyday person, that's significant. It means a better house uh, with a better backyard and a better school district with a better commute to work. And I could absolutely keep going, but you get the point. Yeah. And so uh, to all the banks and credit unions listening, leveraging our technology, we're able to provide you with a platform that can save you 40% of your current cost to originate a mortgage. And us fintechs have had a lot of fun disrupting big banks. Yeah. But the fact is that enterprise level collaboration uh, is good for the marketplace. If we're able to work together, we're able to make better lending decisions, faster lending decisions, and most importantly, more equitable lending decisions for everyone. Yeah, no, I see we're coming up on the end of our time here, but I do just want to talk about that last piece because there's another really cool thing you're doing, uh, the Opportunity Fund. Can you just briefly kind of mention what that's about? Because I think it's so cool and it dovetails so nicely with the rest of your mission. Yes, the Better Opportunity Fund is a subsidiary of the Hold Co. that I built two years ago along with our team here at Better. It is a 501c3 public charity aimed at closing the racial and uh, gender housing gaps through leveraging creative financial products. We look at different ways to underwrite 
We look at smarter ways to underwrite. And with open banking finally being here, uh, we're able to get a real-time, accurate view of a person's entire financial picture, uh, irrespective of what a FICO score might say. And so I'm excited about the ability to have an entity that's unbound from the traditional rules, an entity that's able to do non-QM products and able to test really innovative uh, mortgage offerings in a way that no one's ever been able to do before. Yeah, and I think really this is where the, the holy grail is for financial technology, because we know that there's so many people who are credit worthy. When you think about the basic question, are you going to pay back this loan? There are people who we know the answer for that question is going to be yes, but we aren't able to find them because of various indicators and holes in our own credit scoring system. But this is That's a way right. that you can start to expand access. And, and that access is crucial. When you talk about the ripple effect of home ownership, and you, I mean, you mentioned some of them already, but you could go on and on about you know, building generational wealth, about creating, yep. you know, put, putting down roots. There's so many aspects to it. And and so I think this is a really cool platform um, and, and would encourage anybody listening to go and check it out and, and think maybe you know, uh, from your own standpoint, what can you do to help kind of do something similar with your own organization, whatever that organization may do? Because this is where, from my perspective, there's some of the most good that's possible coming from the fintech ecosystem. Could not agree more. Um, well, I'm afraid we have to end it there, but it has been a real pleasure chatting with you and, and kind of the going back to the beginning of the conversation, thinking about some of those regulator environments and, and how you can engage there. I hope there's some good lessons there for all of our listeners. Would encourage anybody to check out uh, better, learn more about them and go on a trip down memory lane, go check out the Invest Susu Now Wealthy demo at finnovate.com slash videos. Um, but Neka, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me. The Finnovate podcast is produced by Informa Connect in association with Provoke.fm Media. Check out Finnovate.com for information on Finnovate's upcoming shows and to learn how you can get involved. The discount code Finnovate Podcast will save you 20% on tickets to all of our events. And you can email us at info at for information on sponsoring, speaking, or demoing. Thanks for listening.